Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Just a sports report. We are very close to UFC Paris and the card kicking off. That's going to be at 2 a.m. Australian time Sunday morning. No idea what time in France. No idea what time in the States. Uh, But for me in Melbourne, it's going to be kicking off at 2 a.m. Main card around 5 in the morning. And we've got some huge matchups as the UFC heads to France for the very first time. So we're going to witness some history, UFC Paris, main event, heavyweight showdown with major title implications. Winner of this faces Curtis Blades next. In my opinion, we have Thai Bam Bam Tuivasa, one of my favorites, if not my favorite fighter in the entire organization, up against Cyril Ghan, who is coming off that loss to Francis Ngannou in one of the greatest heavyweight fights at least in terms of build-up, that we have ever seen. Now, Cyril Ghan, he returns to fight in front of his home crowd. So this is going to be a major deal, and Taito Avasa is in career-best form. Huge main event, of course, big co-main event as well in the middleweight division. Rob the Reaper, the Weeper, nearly said. Who knows, maybe if he loses. Rob Whitaker up against Marvin Vittori. That's going to be a big co-main event. We've got a real French flavor across this entire card. And this is part two. So I've already gone through the prelims. There has been a bit of an adjustment in terms of the card. So the Nasadine and Mavov fight and Joaquin Buckley, which is a bit higher up on this main card, that was originally slated to be on the prelims. I was scratching my head. I was like, why is this on the prelims? Should have been on the main in the first place. Now it is. So I've already done my prediction for that in full on the prelim portion of this Paris predictions card. Um, And basically, I've I've already done it. So when it gets to that, I'm just going to do a rapid pick. Pretty much just tell you which way I went. Sorry, I think that was my cat. Uh, If you heard that, who is currently present and very pumped for UFC Paris. Now, if you haven't heard a preview and predictions podcast before, basically full breakdown of the fighters, maybe if you haven't heard of them before, well, a bit of an insight into what they're all about, and of course, my pick at the end. So I've been doing this for nearly a year now, slowly starting to find my feet, and overall, the picks have been good. So very excited to ride the picks, which I'll be doing from 2 in the morning, live on my Thoughts and Comments podcast, to be dropped immediately after the card. So basically just live reactions to everything across the card, as well as some bets. We'll be checking some bets on based on these picks. So do gamble responsibly if you plan to do that. But we've got a stacked main card to get into. And before I get into it, one of the main card fights that is swapped with Imavov and Buckley. 
was Nasrat Hagparast and John McDessey. Now, seeing as though I thought this was going to be on the main, I didn't record a preview for that for the prelims portion. It has since been moved there. So we're going to open up tonight with a bit of a rapid prediction. Now, I've gone Nasrat Hakparast to win this one by decision over John McDessey. I thought knockout could be an option as well, but McDessey coming off a really impressive split decision victory over a highly touted prospect in Ignacio Bahamondes. Huge opportunity for McDessey and for Nasrat Hakparast. This proves as a real chance for him to get a momentum building win and start to pick up the pieces because he's only lost to very high level competition, the likes of Bobby King Green and Dan Hangman Hooker. So it's seemingly kind of a time where Nasrat needs a win to just build himself back up, whilst Magdesi is a very dangerous opponent. So don't sleep on Magdesi, but for this rapid lightweight prediction, I've taken Nasrat Hakparast to win by decision. With that being said, now it's time to get into the full 100 legit, now announced and confirmed UFC Paris main card. Of course, headlined by a massive heavyweight showdown, huge middleweight clash as well, and some other real sleepers that have been announced on this main card. So it's going to be a lot of fun, got a few fights to jump into, so now UFC Paris preview and of course predictions, let's get amongst it. have really put together quite a special one to open this UFC Paris main card. Kicking us off, we have featherweight action between two fighters who really seem poised to make a big run in the 145 division. This one coming up is my pick for the fight of the night honours. I genuinely believe once all is said and done, this is the fight you should be most excited for other than the big ones, like the main event, for obvious reasons, very exciting. But this main card opener is going to be a hell of a lot of fun as French-Canadian standout Charles Air Jourdain takes on United Kingdom superstar Nathaniel the Prospect Wood, who very much is a prospect. More than a prospect, at this point in time, he's shaping potentially as a top prospect in the featherweight division, and you could definitely say the same for Charles Jourdain. Now, I'll look at the profiles firstly, starting with Nathaniel the Prospect Wood, 29 years old, fighting out of London, England. He trains with Great Britain top team and looks very comfortable since moving up to featherweight. Nathaniel has a great variation as far as his style, does possess real knockout power, lot of power in his hands, or oh, excuse me, don't know what happened to the throat there. And look, he's patient. I like his kicks as well. The leg kicks that he hits definitely seem to have effect. And if he can get them going here, he does have potential to compromise the lead leg of Charles Jourdain. Back to Nathaniel Wood. He has a UFC record standing at five wins and two losses. And over his professional career, he's racked up seven first round finishes. So 
He doesn't just go in there as a points fighter. If he can, he will definitely get the finish. And the same for Jordan, which is why I do think this will get fight of the night honors. Nathaniel spent nearly two years away from the octagon and had been fighting at bantamweight. Seemingly a lot more comfortable now at featherweight. The brutal weight cuts just seemed to... Yeah, it was like one step forward, two steps backwards for Nathaniel Wood. Whereas featherweight, it just seems like the right fit for him. So now Nathaniel Wood, it's kind of at this point where you feel like he's about to hit his peak or at least start that upward trajectory. In London, this past July, he had a unanimous decision win over Charles Rosa, where he just pieced him up over the full 15 minutes, had a higher fight IQ, and just seemed to be one step ahead of the veteran in Charles Rosa. Nathaniel has a lot of durability. He's a former Cage Warriors bantamweight champion, and a lot of his credentials has really built him up slowly but surely as one to watch in the now featherweight division. So he started as a bantamweight, but as I mentioned, featherweight, definitely where I think Nathaniel Wood is going to do his best work. And this is the perfect opening fight to really set the tone for what is to be a huge main card. Nathaniel's opponent is going to have the crowd on his side, no doubt. French-Canadian, so not just that, but he's also one of the most exciting fighters in a stacked 145-pound division. Charles Jourdain, fans going to be right behind him. You know he's going to be out to deliver a fight. And he wanted to fight in Paris. That was what he asked for. The UFC have given him his wish. And look, crowd behind Jourdain, but he's been given a very high-level matchup in Nathaniel Wood. That's nothing new to Jourdain, though. He is coming off a high-level matchup where he lost on the scorecards. Many people could argue and have argued that he won that up against Shane Burgos, who was a ranked featherweight. He's since signed with the PFL, but Shane Burgos was a very legit test for Jordan. And I went and watched that fight back. And look, I had my money on Burgos at the time, so I was happy to accept the judge's decision. But going back, I can absolutely see why many people feel Jordan won. Definitely the third round. I mean, Jordan looked amazing. So he's gained a heap of experience from that up against a really high-level opponent. And Charles Jordan has had a great preparation leading up to this fight with Nathaniel Wood. Now, the fight against Shane Burgos, we're starting to really see Jordan capitalize on his potential. And in an absolute banger between two very bright prospects, the only thing is that there is room for one winner. So one of these guys going to lose half their paycheck. One of these guys going to take a massive step forward in their division. And it's very close. Betting market's close. A lot of different opinions on how this can go. And even for me, I know... I'm a huge Nathaniel Wood fan. I really do think he can go far in this division. But Charles Jourdain, I've been keeping an eye on him for a while now. And he's really starting to come into his own. Close matchup, perfect way to start this Paris main card. Now having a sus of the profile for Charles Air Jourdain, an extremely explosive fighter, 
who really does have potential to kick on into a global superstar. Charles Airjourdain is a 26-year-old French-Canadian who trains at Academy Pro Star MMA. Charles is very lethal in a lot of different ways, predominantly as a striker, but he also holds a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Jordan's UFC record heading into this one stands at four wins, four losses, and one draw, which was against Josh Koulibao. For Jordan, he's had wins over Duhu Choi, Marcelo Rojo, Andre Ewell, and Lando Venata. And the losses for Jordan, which interestingly, 4-4 and one draw, isn't the best record, but I don't think it tells the full story of how impressive Jordan has looked at times. The four UFC losses for Charles, Desmond Green, Andre Feely, Julian Arosa, and most recently, and in controversial judging, many would say, Shane Burgos. For this fight, definite prediction heading into this is that we either have an absolutely epic finish, performance of the night finish, or we have fight of the night. Or both. This could hold both. I'm really excited about the prospects of this match. Advantages-wise, Jordan is taller, but they're identical in reach. So it will be interesting to see who can get the ascendancy on the feet. I think both do have interesting prospects. For Nathaniel Wood, he's got serious power in his hands. So it may only take a couple of big shots to really rock Jordan. Whilst for Jordan, I would say he's the better striker. And if he can impose himself, well, he could cause Wood big problems. Both of these guys are very durable. Grappling, I would definitely give the advantage to Charles Jourdain, who seems, look, it seems like he's maybe just slightly a level up on Nathaniel Wood, but it's hard to tell. Both are very evenly matched. They're about in the same place in terms of making a run in the division, and I just love this matchmaking, stylistically, and of course just what it means going forward for the featherweight division. Level of competition and experience favours Charles Jourdain, and as I mentioned a bit earlier, he's also going to have a home swell of crowd support who will definitely add an extra level of motivation to have a huge moment. Looking at the worldwide rankings, uh, this is on tapology.com, Charles Jourdain is ranked 25th worldwide in the featherweight division. And that's just worldwide, not just in the UFC. So that tells us he's on the cusp of UFC's top 15. Whether he can make a huge run, we don't know. But he always delivers exciting fights. And he definitely has top 15 written all over him. Let's not forget though, featherweight, genuinely one of the most underrated divisions in the world. It is a stacked rankings for featherweight. So a lot of guns in that division Charles Jourdain is on the cusp, and a win here would give him a huge, huge leap forward. For Nathaniel Wood, as I mentioned, fought as a bantamweight for the longest time. Coming off a win at featherweight against Charles Rosetho, Nathaniel Wood ranked 60th worldwide, but of course, he's only just come up to featherweight. So I do think he's better than that 60th ranking suggests. And I know there's a bit of a discrepancy 
when you do look at the worldwide rankings here, but I think this fight is going to be a lot closer than the worldwide rankings suggest. Having a look at recent form, Charles Jourdain has two wins in his past four, and it's the same for Nathaniel Wood. Two wins in Nathaniel's past four as well. One win, no losses as a featherweight. Finish factor in this one is going to be high. I have no doubt about it. Both guys would love to walk out of Paris with a stoppage win. And look, it's a, they're evenly matched, so I can definitely see this one going the distance. But with two bright prospects, there's just that idea that a finish win would really propel them forward in the division. As far as bounce back factor, Charles Jourdain, after that disappointing loss to Shane Burgos, he would have learnt a lot, he's going to readjust, and I think the bounce back factor is huge for Charles Air Jourdain in what is a stylistic banger. It's my pick for fight of the night, and one of these guys does have a huge chance. I think whoever wins this gets a ranked opponent next and a real chance to break into the rankings. Now, before I make my prediction, I'll quickly look at both men's professional records. Charles Jourdain overall has a pro record that stands at 13 wins, 5 losses, and 1 draw. The key statistic for Jourdain, 12 finishes from his 13 wins, he doesn't like to go the distance, and he really does have finishing intent. So if you're going to put your money on him, just know, if you're thinking decision as a prop, Charles Jourdain, he is going out there with the idea to finish it, 12 stoppages from 13 wins, with his resume including 8 knockouts, 4 submissions, as well as 1 decision win. As far as the losses for Jourdain, 4 of 5 losses by decision, he's only been finished once across his pro career, which now stands at 19 bouts, this being his 20th, only 1 stoppage loss in that time, and that was a submission loss. Then onto Nathaniel Wood, his professional record standing at 18 wins and 5 losses, 14 of 18 wins by stoppage. So just like Jordan, Nathaniel Wood loves to chase that finish, 14 of 18 being finishes with 9 knockouts, 5 submissions, and 4 decision victories as well. Then onto the losses of Nathaniel Wood, four of his five losses have been inside the distance. So that's a bit of an interesting contrast when you look at Jordan, only ever been stopped once, with four of his five losses being by decision. And then Nathaniel Wood, four of his five losses have been stoppage losses. So I guess, look, maybe that was when he was at Bantamweight, and it does make him a bit more susceptible. I think his durability goes up a notch being at featherweight. His chin's going to be able to handle a bit more. Although there will be more power coming at him as well. So four of five losses inside the distance for Nathaniel the Prospect Wood. Two knockout losses. He's been submitted twice and he also has one decision loss. This is it. Main card opener. My pick for fight of the night. Do not miss this one if you're planning to watch the card. And for my pick, look, I've gone a bit of a change. Going into this one, I was actually going to pick Nathaniel Wood. I'm really high on his prospects. I think even if he cops a loss here, 
I expect big things to come from Nathaniel Wood. But the more I delved into it, the more tape I watched, the more study, I just felt like Charles Jourdain. This could be his time. He could be just about to hit this point where he makes his run. And I don't know exactly what level of significance. Is it a top 15 run? Is it a top 10 run? Could it go as far as a championship run? Well, the fun part is sitting, waiting, watching, and finding out over time. But Charles Jourdain, everything just seems to be aligning for him to pick up a big victory and then take on a really big opponent next. Obviously, Nathaniel Wood, I would still consider a big deal opponent. So for Charles Jourdain, if he gets the win here, then it's ranked opponent, and I expect him to go up against an absolute gun next. Big opportunity for both men. I'm taking Charles Jourdain, and as far as the method of victory, look, I think there's a big chance this one goes the distance, but I've gone Charles Jourdain by knockout. Home crowd advantage. I think everyone's going to be behind him. We know both these guys have finishing intent, and Nathaniel Wood in his losses has shown a tendency to be finished. So I think Charles Jourdain is going to find a way somehow to wrap this one up. I've taken Charles Jourdain over Nathaniel Wood by knockout. Should be a very exciting clash. That's why it's my pick for fight of the night. But now, let's get on to our next one. A short notice featherweight scrap. see two UFC debutants going at it as French prospect William Jaguar Gomez faces Netherlands Jano Ahrens. Now William Gomez trains at MMA Factory. Now that is a big deal. Guys like Nasadin Imavov, Cyril Garn train at that gym which I believe is why we see William Gomez make his debut on the stage. William rides an eight-fight win streak into this one, with wins under various banners against decent levels of competition for the stage that he's at in his career. Gomez has fought for the likes of Cage Warriors, he's fought for UAE Warriors, and he's also fought for RSFC, which is based in France. His opponent will be Jano Ahrens, who rode a five-fight win streak into this year, but then in April, he lost by decision to an opponent he'd actually beaten before. So he was coming off a loss, and then just over a year ago, he had a unanimous decision win on the German scene, and that kind of got him back into a decent patch of form, and here he is making his UFC debut. Jano Ahrens had a 1-1 one one start to his career. He's won 12 of 15 since, so look, he's still in very good form, Definitely seems like he's ready to make the step up. And in this very intriguing fight on the main card, who debuts in style? Checking out the profiles now in this short notice featherweight bout. Starting with William Jaguar Gomez, 25 years old, fighting out of Paris, France. Another one of these hometown heroes making his UFC debut. I mean, what a moment this is going to be. And... He seems like a very exciting prospect. Gomez trains at MMA Factory, and he's a flashy fighter 
who possesses knockout intent. He goes out there and he looks for the finish. At times that kind of works against him because he has the tendency to be flashy. But I think at this level, there are times where that could be exposed. And this is his UFC debut. So huge moment and a huge night for the MMA factory gym. As for his opponent, Jano Ahrens is 27 years old from the Netherlands, representing Team Thriving, and Ahrens is also making his UFC debut. Looking at the rankings picture, this is on Tapology and for Western Euro European featherweights. So this is not worldwide or just UFC or anything like that. This is across Western Europe which is very relevant to the French mixed martial arts scene. Across Western Europe, William Gomez is ranked number two. So he's obviously one of the best potential stars to come from the Western European region, whilst Jarno Ahrens is ranked 14th. So he's definitely in the conversation as well. But if you just take from the rankings picture, who's a level up, well, William Gomez second ranked in France, training with MMA Factory on what is to be a huge night for the gym. I am really interested to see how this one goes down. You've got it placed on the main card as well, which I thought it would be in the prelims, but we saw that woman's, I believe, strawweight fight between those two really exciting fighters named both of them Yasmin. Uh, it was Yasmin Arigui, I believe, or something like that but they were both making their UFC debut and we may see a little bit more of it. So that fight delivered. There's obviously a reason this has been placed on the main card and I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. It's been given the main card treatment and one of these guys could instantly make a star out of themselves. Stylistically, it, it will be interesting to see what they lean on. I know Gomez has the tendency to look for the finish Whilst Yano Ahrens, he has won plenty of times by decision. I'll check both professional records. William Gomez heads into this one 10-2. He's the second ranked European Western featherweight. So he's pretty decent. He must be pretty decent. From his 10 wins, he has 6 knockouts. So that's his predominant way to win. A lot of those technical knockouts. 3 decision wins and a submission win as well. But William Gomez, he does love to go for that knockout, as I mentioned. As I said as well, the UFC is a big step up, so I think there are guys that can expose it. But is Jarno Ahrens that guy on debut, a little bit further behind on the Western European rankings? 6 of 10 knockouts for William Jaguar Gomez. And for his two losses, he's been submitted once, and he's lost once by decision. So he's never been knocked out. Loves to people, or loves to people? Gee whiz. Loves to knock people out though. But it's going to be stiff against Jano Ahrens. Because Jano Ahrens himself has never been knocked out as well. Ahrens heading into this one with a record that stands. 13 wins, 3 losses, and 1 draw. The Netherlands fighter has lost 2 of 3 fights by decision and he's been submitted once. So neither of these guys haven't been knocked out before. And from the 13 wins, Jano Ahrens has won three times by knockout. He has five submission wins, and we have seen that Gomez has lost by submission. 
So Jono Ahrens could most definitely tap into that. And he has five decision wins as well. In my opinion, hard to tell. It's the biggest step up for both of these guys. Who's more ready for it? I really don't know. But I think training with MMA Factory, this card being the first time in France, in what's a bit of an unknown entity, I'm just going to go with that home crowd factor, as well as just being generally more excited from watching the tape and doing the study and seeing that there is some really raw, untapped potential that could definitely be harnessed under the MMA Factory banner. And for that reason, I've gone William Jaguar Gomez to win this one by decision. I said he did have knockout intent, and I be believe he will be chasing the finish, so that could come back to bite him, because Jano Ahrens could really turn that around on him if Gomez expends too much energy early and gets tired. That could see him get submitted, or it could see him drop rounds two and three if he isn't careful. But I think overall, it's a big night for William Gomez. I like what I've seen. So I'm going to take William Gomez over Jano Ahrens. And as far as method to victory, I've gone decision. I think this one goes the distance. And this one close. Very hard to tell. But I've taken William Gomez by decision. Let's now get amongst our next contest. Next, we have two European middleweights in Alessio Desherico and Roman Kopilov as they take to center stage in Paris. Italy's Alessio Desherico, look, he shows glimpses of brilliance, but largely he's ended up on the losing side more often than not. Alessio Desherico, who takes on Roman Kopilov on this card, has gone one and four over his past five UFC starts. And many are starting to wonder whether Desherico has what it takes to kick on to greater heights. Desherico looked sensational early last year, knocking out Joaquin Buckley, who's in a feature position on this card. And look, that just took Elicio only a tick over two minutes to pick up the biggest win of his career. Absolutely just knocked out Joaquin Buckley flush. That win gave Alessio some momentum for the first time in years as he headed into his fight against Abdul Razak Al-Hassan last August. It was a 17 second head kick loss to Sherico within 17 seconds. Look, Abdul Al-Razak Hassan, or Razak Al-Hassan rather, is a noted fight finisher. He's known for just getting guys clean and knocking them out straight away. This happened to Desherico, but you do have to wonder, a lot of trauma taken by that shot. And how's he recovered? Big, it was a big kick from El Hassan. And Desherico, coming off a head kick knockout, 17 seconds into the fight. And people say you're only as good as your last. If we judge Desherico by his last performance, well then, that is quite concerning. As for his opponent, Roman Kopilov, well, Roman actually replaced Desherico on short notice in his last bout, stepping in to fight and ultimately lose by decision to Albert Durayev at UFC 267 in October last year. 
Kopolov has an 0-2 UFC record. So, look, Desherico, his record not the best by any stretch. Kopolov still yet to get even one win on the biggest stage after bursting onto the scene an undefeated 8-0 prospect. Who picks up the win in this one? Well, in my opinion, respectfully, I'm not super high on the long-term prospects of either. I don't think this has a huge bearing on the middleweight landscape going forward. I think there's a lot more going on throughout the division to keep tabs on. But it's in a pretty decent placement. Main card, there is the chance for one of these guys to just make that next climb up the ladder because they can't really afford to lose. But in my opinion, yeah, I'm not seeing top 15 material out of either of these guys, but I'm happy to be proven wrong. Checking out the profiles, start with Roman Kopilov. The Russian is 31 years old and his gym is listed as Rati. Kopilov is a striker and as I mentioned, a UFC record 0-2. Kopilov will be boasting a slight reach advantage going into this one. Not sure whether that plays into the contest. And looking at some statistics for Roman, in his two UFC fights, He's absorbed more significant strikes than he's dished out. And in a close fight like this one, that could be the difference where he goes 0-3. So Kopilov definitely needs a win here. And very much the same case for Italy's Alessio Desherico. Nicknamed Manzo, Alessio is 32 years old from Rome in Italy. Going to have a lot of supporters in that French crowd, no doubt. And Alessio's gym is actually his own. Alessio Desherico founded his own gym, Gloria Fight Center, and they've got some pretty interesting philosophies on the concept of fighting and how the fighters should be viewed. Desherico has a UFC record that stands at a four win and six loss record. But Desherico, one thing working in his favor is that he has faced a higher level of competition and he also has four UFC victories compared to Kopilov, who's yet to secure a win under the UFC banner. Looking at the worldwide rankings picture, courtesy of Tapology, Alessio Desherico is ranked 47th worldwide in the middleweight division, which even though he's ahead in the rankings, I don't know if I have a huge deal of confidence in a number 47 ranked middleweight on a worldwide scale. Uh, for Roman Kopilov, he's ranked 99th. So just in that top 100, probably hasn't helped him getting those two losses. So a win keeps him in that top 100. And as I mentioned, I can't see a huge run coming from either of these guys, but they have a chance to climb a little bit further or drop a little bit lower in terms of the worldwide rankings. Checking out the professional records, for Roman Kopilov, he enters this one 8-2, won the first eight fights of his career, but then of course Kopilov dropping his first and only two UFC appearances. I'll start with something impressive from Kopilov. Seven of his eight wins have come by knockout, 88% of wins by knockout for Roman Kopilov. Of course, none of those under the UFC banner though. Seven knockout wins, one decision. And as far as the two UFC losses for Roman Kopilov, he was submitted right toward the end of his UFC debut 
in November 2019 against Carl Robeson, who is dangerous, but like these guys, isn't someone I'm like, yeah, this is a guy I'm keeping a keen eye on because I think he's going to make a real run for the top 15. So Carl Robeson managed to submit Kopilov, and then Roman stepped in, of course, on short notice to replace Alessio Desherico in October last year, losing by decision to Albert Durayev. So he's got one submission loss, one decision loss, no knockout losses for Roman Kopilov. Then looking at the Italian Alessio Desherico's pro record, which stands at 13 wins and 6 losses. Four of Alessio's six losses have come by decision. He's also been submitted once, and most recently, his one knockout loss, 17 seconds, was all it took for Abdul Razak Al Hassan to wipe Desherico out. And that was his most recent fight. So that's the fight that Alessio Desherico enters this one on the back of, losing by head kick knockout in a big way, 17 seconds into the fight. Hopefully the fact that it was early means that he's actually been able to make a full recovery. Four of six losses by decision, but of course coming off a devastating knockout loss. As far as Alessio's 13 wins, he has 10 of his 13 wins coming by way of finish, so he will be looking for the stoppage in this one. Six knockout wins, four submissions, as well as three decision victories. Stylistically, well, I think both of these guys, they don't want to leave it to the judges. They're going to be leaving it all out there. They are middleweights, so the finish factor is higher. But I think Alessio Desherico, for all his pitfalls, I would say he's very durable, but I do have a lot of question marks over him. And I don't know whether his durability potentially gone now after getting head kicked clean. Very powerful opponent that knocked him out. 17 seconds would have taken a big hit to his confidence, which wasn't in the best place anyway, given his mixed UFC tenure. I think he's durable, but there are question marks. And if there is someone that is going to definitely exploit that, it is Roman Kopilov, 7 of 8 wins by knockout. What's going to go down here? Well, I genuinely have no idea. As I said, in my opinion, this is not one that I'm super excited for in terms of a needle mover that's going to change the landscape of the division. But I like this fight for what it is. A chance for both of these guys to gain some momentum. And I am always happy to be proven wrong. So if one of these guys can make a run, well, I'm here for it. But it has to start now. This one, just a mixed bag. I have no confidence either way in which way I go. And so I've gone Alessio Desherico by decision. I just weighed up and when I'm just so torn down the middle, I just went the fact that Desherico has won at UFC level four times. Whilst Kopilov, he's yet to win at UFC level. So he's yet to show successfully that he can transition the skills that got him to the big stage and actually present it in the big moments. For that reason, I'm going Alessio Desherico, perhaps a better fighter than his UFC record suggests, perhaps a worse. And I think we're going to get some of these questions answered during the UFC Paris card, which is of course why I'll be doing the live reactions, thoughts and comments podcast to come out straight after the card. So I will be interested 
to give my live thoughts and takes on this fight and what it means for both fighters, but in one where I honestly have no fucking clue, I'm going to take Alessio DeSherico to win by decision. I think the fight, I don't think the fight will go the distance, who knows, they could knock each other out, they fucking like this one, I really don't know. The more I think about it, it confuses me, so I'm just going to bang my prediction out into the universe once more, and then we shall move on. Alessio DeSherico by decision, and that leads us into another massive middleweight showdown. This one I actually covered on the preliminary card, preview and predictions. And yeah, so there's not much reason. You can go back and listen to that if you want. It's on Not Just a Sports Report. Just follow us on whatever podcast platform you are listening on. You can go hear my full thoughts on this match, which was originally slated for the prelims. Nasadine Mavov ranked number 12 in the division, up against Joaquin Buckley, floating outside of the rankings, but ready to make big moves. In this one, I took Nasadin and Mavov by knockout, a variety of different ways it could go, and if I talk about it, I'll just go in loops and confuse us both. So look, you can go back and listen to my full thoughts on this one in the prelims podcast, but now it's been placed right before the co-main event, which I think rightfully so. I think this is where this fight does belong, and I've taken Nasadin and Mavov over Joaquin Buckley by knockout. I think we see Amavov take a big step forward and really announce himself as a serious threat at 185 pounds. Nasadin Amavov over Joaquin Buckley by knockout. Two fights to go, and they are very big deals. Firstly, before we get into the heavyweight one, there is a middleweight showdown between what seems to clearly be other than if you take Alex Pereira out of the equation, this seems to be the clear-cut number two and number three in the division. Two losses for each of them to the champion, Israel Adesanya. They are the middleweights who could benefit the most from Alex Poetan Pereira beating Adesanya, in my opinion. So all of a sudden, the stocks of this match have risen exponentially. There is a lot at stake. The winner of this... If Israel has other plans in another division, or if it takes some time to get the rematch with Pereira, well, we have a clear cut, could be a contenders match in the future. They will at least position themselves, if they keep winning, to get the next shot, if Alex Pereira wins. If Adesanya wins, then it is very interesting because both of these guys have had two losses to him, so it doesn't make a lot of sense to go the third. They're going to have to go a longer way around. Perhaps they have to fight Alex Pereira if he decides to stick around at middleweight. I mean, he is a fucking huge man, far bigger than a middleweight, I tell you that. But I'm a huge fan of Alex Pereira. I'm a huge fan of both of these men in our co-main event, those men being Robert Whittaker, Marvin Vittori. So without further ado, Let's now get amongst the UFC Paris co-main event. It is now time to get amongst the co-main event as two stalwarts of the middleweight division meet in Paris. This is our co-main event as the number one ranked middleweight, Robert Whittaker, 
takes on the second-ranked Marvin Vittori, who's tied second at the moment with Jared Cannonier. Whoops, Daisy, just knocking something on my desk. Please excuse me. Now, Whitaker and Vittori have both lost twice against the champion Israel Adesanya. So, going into this one, it shapes as a highly important contest for both men, with the winner keeping themselves right in the conversation to be the next title challenger following Alex Pereira, whilst for the loser, they are going to fall back in the pecking order and are most likely going to be made to defend their position inside the top 15 against an opponent that is now ranked behind them. Robert Whittaker has clearly established himself as the next best middleweight after the champion, and if you take away Rob's two losses up against Adesanya, Whittaker is on an 11-fight unbeaten run. Vittori has been on an equally as impressive run outside of his two losses to the last stylebender. Vittori's run has seven wins, no losses, and one draw inside of the UFC other than the two losses to Izzy. Speaking of the loss to Izzy, well, after the second one, Vittori responded strongly and he returned in a headline fight at the Apex, earning a unanimous decision win over a massively overweight Paolo Costa at catchweight. Now, I'm wondering, is there going to be home crowd support for the Italian Vittori? Well, most definitely, but Robert Whittaker is a popular guy as well, so it will be interesting to see how all of that plays out. Checking out the profiles now, starting with the Italian dream, Marvin Vittori. The 28-year-old Italian trains at King's MMA and is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt with an overall UFC record that stands at 8 wins, 3 losses and 1 draw. His opponent is going to be a stern test, none other than former UFC middleweight champion, the Reaper Robert Whittaker. 31 years old from Sydney, Australia, also representing his New Zealand heritage, Whittaker trains at Gracie Jiu-Jitsu Smeaton Grange. Whittaker is a karate black belt, as well as being a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt and a very lethal striker. Whittaker's record in the UFC stands at 14 wins and 4 losses, with two of those losses being at welterweight to Court McGee and Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, whilst the only two losses Whittaker has ever had at middleweight have both been championship fights against Adesanya. Heading into this one, height roughly the same or exactly the same. Same goes for the weight, so very evenly matched in terms of size with a slight reach uh, advantage in favour of Vittori. I've got to give the striking to uh, Whittaker and I've got to give the grappling to Whittaker. I just think he's a level ahead. He is clearly established as the number two guy. And as far as the rankings, well, the winner keeps themselves right in that championship picture, even if they have to go the long way. Robert Whittaker's last three bouts include a unanimous decision win over Jared Cannonier and a unanimous decision win over Kelvin Gastelum. And then most recently, a unanimous decision loss, albeit a very close one, up against Israel Adesanya. As for Marvin Vittori and his road to this fight, he had a unanimous decision win over Kevin Holland, 
Then he lost by decision up against Israel Adesanya before beating Paolo Costa last time out. In this one, I think the finish factor is low. It just seems like this one destined to go to decision. Both guys very capable of going five rounds. So I think with their durability, three rounds shouldn't be an issue. And as far as talking points, well, could we see Whitaker up against Israel Adesanya for a third time? Or maybe even Vittori and Izzy? We'll have to wait and see. But winner of this contest, well, it's a very important fight for both men's careers. And Israel Adesanya, he has said he has 100% confidence that Whitaker wins this fight. And he said that he's not excited at all by this one. So interesting take from a guy who's fought both men twice. He feels that Whitaker just a step ahead. It will be interesting though, if the crowd really get behind Vittori, well, we could see a huge upset victory. Although in terms of the bounce back factor, that most definitely favors the Reaper. Checking out professional records and Robert Whitaker's stands at 23 wins, six losses. His six losses include two knockout losses. One of those, of course, being against Israel Adesanya. I believe the other was at welterweight Stephen Thompson. He's been submitted once and he has lost three times by decision. As for the wins for Robert Whitaker, nine knockouts, five submissions. So he definitely has stoppage intent and it will be a massive statement if he is able to finish a very durable Marvin Vittori. And Whitaker has nine decision wins as well. As for the Italian dream, Vittori enters this one with a professional record that stands at 18 wins, five losses, and one draw. Five of five losses, all by decision. That's how durable this guy is. Never been finished. That is why he is still definitely someone you can't forget about at 185 pounds. All five losses by decision for Vittori. And he has nine submission wins. So half of his wins by submission, nine submission wins, two knockouts, as well as seven decisions. And quite a few of those were in five rounders. So he's durable. This one looks destined to go the distance. And both guys with some serious skills on the mat. So maybe we'll see the submission games come into play. Stylistically, I do expect there to be plenty of grappling, a lot of clinch work. And like there will be fireworks, but I do think there will be slower points to the fight as well. That's just my raw opinion. I think control is key and damage. If anyone can land some big shots and really have some distinguishable damage, then I think that could really sway the judges in this one if it does go the distance, which I'm expecting it to. Now for my prediction, as I said, I think this one goes the distance and I've got to go with my man, Robert Whittaker, the Australian, also representing New Zealand. I'm down. He seems clearly like the next best guy and it's going to be a long, hard road to get back to the title fight. Obviously, Pereira, if he wins, that gives Whittaker a much better chance. Maybe he'd have to face Israel on his way to a title shot. So it's going to be a long road for both of these guys, but they can't really control that. All they can control is what the result is in this fight. And if they can come away with a win, well, then if they can keep winning, they'll be undeniable for another title shot. 
So huge fight in our co-main event, UFC Paris. And I'm going to take Robert Whittaker by decision. So I think it goes the distance taking Rob Whittaker over Marvin Vittori by decision, which leaves us with only one fight left, and it's the best one on the entire card. Huge title implications. The heavyweight division is as exciting as it has ever been, and the spotlight will be on two of the brightest stars as hometown hero Cyril Garn takes on Ty Bam Bam Tuivasa. UFC main card, Paris. This is the main event. Let's get amongst it. It is now time to get into the Paris main event. And look, I gotta be honest, the card's already started, so this is gonna have to be a rapid one, and I'm gonna talk much more in depth about this in my live reactions podcast, uh, where I go through all the action from the UFC Paris card. So the action's actually about to kick off. So this is gonna be a rapid pick with a hedge pick as well. So I'm taking Cyril Garn by knockout in the main event, but I am most definitely cheering for Taito Avasa, who's $7 to win by knockout. So I'm gonna jump on that hedge, definitely getting on Taito Avasa at $7. But overall, Cyril Garn, I just, I think he's gonna to be too good. So taking Cyril Garn by knockout over Taito Avasa in the main event. And now it's time for me to launch immediately in to UFC Paris thoughts and comments. So stay tuned for that because immediately after the Paris card, the podcast will be dropping with all my live reactions, including an in-depth take on the main event, seeing as this one was so rapid. So I'll go all in for the main event. UFC thoughts and comments. Stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening and take care. Thank <laughs> you.